0: The following message was brought to you by the gifts and love offerings of the people of Rancho Baptist Church in Temecula, California. This message was recorded during our regular Sunday morning worship service. Today we have a guest speaker with us talking about the fall feasts of Israel. Good
1: morning. Shalom. Shalom. Can you say Hag Sameach? Sameach. Pretty good. You. You want to know what you just said? (laughs) It's Hebrew for happy holidays. And right now, it's appropriate because right now we're right in the middle between Rosh Hashanah, the New Year, and Yom Kippur. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning, a little bit about the Jewish festivals. Um, Let me uh, tell you a few words about uh, who we are. My name is Olivia Melnick. I, I was born in France and uh i was in a jewish family and uh, came to the lord 27 years ago uh, and uh, been in ministry uh, s- um for 13 years with chosen people ministries a mission that takes the gospel to jewish people gospel of jesus to jewish people i am jewish and i believe that jesus is the messiah the jewish messiah savior of the world so uh uh, that's uh, our brochure here. We have a picture of a family, a little bio, and we have uh, a little slip that if you return it to me before the end, uh, before I leave today, uh, you will be put on our prayer uh, list. Uh, prayer partners, and you'll get our, a prayer letter every month, the one that we, uh, my family and I write and send to our supporters and our prayer partners, and then you'll get our magazine for free. You'll just stay connected. It's important to us that you fill out this little slip and give it to us, because this is our way of staying connected with you, and we are 100% support-raised missionaries. I only have to raise only a certain amount of my support. It's only 100%. And, uh, and we and the Lord has been... Uh, supplying for our needs for the last 13 years now through churches and people like you. So uh, please take a moment before you leave to fill out this little slip and uh, um, give it to me so I can put you on our list and you can pray for the salvation of the Jewish people, for the peace of Jerusalem, and for our ministry to my people, the Jewish people. Also on the table, when you exit on the left, there's a table with artwork. Those are prints of uh, my originals this Is an example here. And uh, this is our tent making as missionaries. Uh, We have those prints and uh, people just uh, buy them. There's a scripture on them. They can buy them and put them on their wall and remember to pray for us. And and also remember that when they do that, they support a missionary in Jewish mission. So that is also very helpful. And I'm running a special and there's some freebies involved. But I can't tell you now. You have to come to the table and I'll tell you what you can get for free. But don't come and grab, okay? Ask me first. All right. Also, two books. Uh, When I wrote seven years ago on the rebirth of anti-Semitism, they have conspired against you. This is... Half of it is biblical perspective on anti-Semitism and what a Christian should know and do to fight it. And the other half is current events or what's happening in the world against my people today, uh, 10 years ago and up to today, and it's it's not getting any better. It's still very, unfortunately, still very current. If you want to know what's going on and how to fight it, I recommend this book. And this one is a novel, The Rabbi's Triad. It's an action-adventure novel, Jews and Gentiles mixed in family and, 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 and some of them are saved, some are not, and the whole gospel is presented throughout the story of an action-adventure running for uh, treasure, artifacts of some sort, and it's an uh, you don't know it, it's not in-your-face gospel presentation, but throughout the book, by the end of the book, a person reading it will have to make a choice. Do I believe like some of the characters, or do I not believe? So this is a great, it's a great book to give to an unsaved Jewish friend, even to an unsaved friend who's not Jewish, but you give it to a friend, this is, this is a good book that uh, can be used for what I call chicken evangelism. When you just going to go like, uh, here, take this book, read it, okay, bye. So, you know, I still have a few left on the back table, so uh, feel free to come talk to me about it after service today. Now, um, let me pray and then we'll talk about the Jewish festivals. Heavenly Father, thank you for... Today thank you for the thank you for this season of the year where you remind us of of your program for mankind and and your plan for Israel Lord we uh we thank you that you're not finished with the Jewish people you still have a very important uh, plan for them and they are not outside of of your plan you just want them to see to come to a saving knowledge of the Messiah Jesus Yeshua uh so thank you Lord for that and help us understand my people uh, a little bit better so we can relate to them better and share the gospel that will save them. The only hope that anybody has which is in Jesus Yeshua and his death and resurrection. So thank you for that Lord and help us study your word and understand uh, from a from a biblical and from a Jewish perspective. In Yeshua's name, amen. Yeshua, in case you did not figure it out by now, is Jesus's name in Hebrew. I just have bad news for you. When we get to heaven, Greek is not going to do you any good because we're all going to speak Hebrew. Jesus is Jewish, okay? So what can I say? So do all the Greek you want. You're still going to have to do Hebrew. Actually, when we get to heaven, it won't matter at all. And you know, another thing that won't matter at all is that all the questions we have is, I'm going to ask Jesus when I get to heaven. No, you won't. Because you won't care. (laughs) <laughs> Once you'll be in his presence, you really won't care. I might still ask a few questions, but um, I'd love to know what you wrote on the ground. With the adulterous woman, you know, like, you know, what, you know. But then again, if the Bible doesn't tell us what he wrote, it's because he wanted us to focus on what happened, not what he wrote. So when the Bible is silent, we should not, you know, we should not look into it. Anyway, I haven't even started yet. The prophetic significance of the Fall Feast of Israel. Fall Feast. What I mean by Fall Feast is that well, there's a Fall Feast because of the Fall season and there's the Spring Festivals. Uh, uh, They're all found in uh, Leviticus 23. That's uh, why we call them often the Levitical Feast. Uh, And um, I'm going to give you a lot of scripture reference that I would recommend you go home and do your own study. We won't have time to read them all this morning we're limited in the amount of time that, you know, what I want to cover. So uh, bear with me when I give you some addresses uh, and, you know, you can look them up later. Um, the Jewish the Jewish festivals, there's uh, a series of, of Jewish feasts listed in Leviticus 23. And then on top of that, we have other festivals that are mentioned in the Bible, but that are not part of the Levitical festival that God gave the children of Israel on the Jewish calendar. A couple of them, for instance, are Hanukkah. Hanukkah is not a Jewish uh, Levitical Feast, but it is a Biblical Feast and it's mentioned in the Bible. And believe it or not, now you're going to go home and try to figure it out. Hanukkah is mentioned in the New Testament. In John 10. I'll let you look it up. I'll give you a little homework to do. It's also known as the Festival of Dedication. I've said enough. So Hanukkah is mentioned in the, in the New Covenant. And then Purim, the Feast of Lots so or the Feast of Esther in uh, February or March is uh, you know, as a result of what took place in the book of Esther. And Jewish people, we, all the festivals, most of the festivals that we have that God has given us, it's usually because it's to celebrate the, the fact that God preserved the Jewish people through the ages. And we like to eat. We love to eat. So every festival we have a special kind of food. So if you want to summarize the Jewish festival, the Jewish calendar, you could do it very, very simply by saying, they tried to kill us, we won, let's eat. <laughs> That's the Jewish calendar for you right there. But we're going to go a little deeper than that today. The three festivals that we're going to talk a little more about today are the Fall Feast, being Rosh Hashanah, that took place last Wednesday, the, the Head of the Year, Rosh, Head, Hannah, the Year, Rosh Hashanah, Head of the Year. The... Uh, feast of, uh, of um, uh, Yom Kippur, or I should say the fast of Yom Kippur, because most of them are feasts, but Yom Kippur is actually a day of fasting and a day of affliction. It's a very solemn day. The most solemn day of the Jewish year is Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement. Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, 10 days later. And then a week after that, we have, or uh, well, actually a few days after that, we have a Sukkot that lasts for a week. Sukkot is the Feast of Tabernacles. Each one has a prophetic significance when it comes to the redemptive career of the Messiah. Each points to a specific event in the career of Jesus the Messiah. Starting with the very first one in the spring, Passover, was fulfilled by the death of the Messiah. Then first fruits, the Feast of First Fruits was fulfilled by the resurrection. The first fruit, he was the first fruit of the resurrection, the New Testament tells us. Then the next feast is Shavuot, which is 49 days or seven weeks plus one day after Passover. Shavuot in Hebrew means the Feast of Weeks. It's 49 days plus one after Passover. That's 50 days. If you take 50 and you put it into the Greek, you get... Pentecost. That means 50 in the Greek. So Shavuot is Pentecost. That is the Feast of Weeks, where it was a pilgrimage to uh, Jerusalem into the temple when uh, Jewish people come for an agricultural festival uh, in the spring. And this is the time of the birth of the church at the Feast of Pentecost, the Feast of Shavuot. So, Passover, fulfilled by the death of Messiah, first fruits, fulfilled by the resurrection of the Messiah. Shavuot or Pentecost fulfilled by the birth of the church, the body of Messiah, Acts 2. Then we have a period of calm, a period of no festivals. That's from that point until throughout the summer to the fall festivals around mid-September, beginning of September. We never really know because the Jewish calendar and, you know, and our calendar, you know, are a little different. So it, it varies from month to month, from year to year. But now we have Rosh Hashanah that will be fulfilled. Now, you're going to go like, oh, what does he mean by that? We'll get into it. That will be fulfilled by the rapture. And I'm not saying that the rapture will take place on Rosh Hashanah. Just don't walk out on me, okay? We don't know when the rapture is going to take place. But Rosh Hashanah will be fulfilled by the rapture. Will be Then uh, Yom Kippur will be fulfilled by the Great Tribulation, a time of affliction, which is what Yom Kippur is all about. And then Tabernacles time of tabernacling or dwelling with God will be when we dwell with God. When is that going to be? In the millennial kingdom. So tabernacles will be the, fulfilled by the millennial kingdom. And then we go into the eternal order and it doesn't really matter anymore. But those are, this is the, uh, the, uh, the sequence of events which, by the way, when you think about it, you don't go celebrate Christmas before Thanksgiving. You always do Thanksgiving, Christmas, Resurrection Sunday. You do the the, the, the the always the same on the calendar. Why would it be different on the Jewish calendar? We always do it in the same order. And if they all have a fulfillment in the career of Messiah, guess what? This is one more way to look at the fact that we have death of Messiah, resurrection, birth of the church. Then we have rapture, tribulation, millennial kingdom. That's the Jewish way to look at the fact that the rapture will take place before the tribulation. Amen? I like that. That's the view I'm most comfortable with. <laughs> but it's, it also happens to be what I see from Scripture. So, I mean, I'm really not pushing the envelope here. Let's get into a little bit of, the, uh, of, the, uh, of what those are all about. Rosh Hashanah is found in Leviticus 23, 24, and 25. Chapter 23, verse 24 and 25. And really, it doesn't say a whole lot. It just says, um, uh, Again, the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the sons of Israel, saying, In the seventh month of the first of the months, you shall have a rest, reminder of by blowing a trumpets, holy convocation. You shall not do any laborious work, but you shall present an offering by fire to the Lord. No work, like a Sabbath. No work, an offering to the Lord, and blowing the trumpet, blowing the shofar. In synagogues today, I mean, in the modern days, it happened last Wednesday night, we start the festival of, Yom, of Rosh Hashanah by blowing the ram's horn, the shofar, and we blow it 100 times, culminating into the last trumpet, keep that in the back of your mind, you'll know why, culminating into the last trumpet, also known as the Tekiyah the great blowing, the Tekiyah Gedola, the great blowing, the last trumpet, which is when the blower of the shofar, the ram's horn, holds the last blowing as long as he has breath. It's it's really uh, uh, it's 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 a great time. You have a lot of little you know, little blows, you know, up to the last one, and then he holds it for the longest time. And some of these guys, they can hold it for you know thirty, forty-five seconds after having blown for like ninety-nine times. It's just amazing. So it's a, it's a rejoicing time to bring in a year and blow the trumpet. It's called, it's all, it's known as Rosh Hashanah, the feast of, the, 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 the head of the year, the head of the Jewish year, also known as the feast of trumpet. And it's a call to repentance. The theme of the, of the fall holidays really is going to be the forgiveness of sins in a Jewish context year. And we're going to look at different perspectives. We're going to look at, you know, the biblical practice. As well as the modern Jewish practice to a certain extent, but we also look at, you know, messianically or, or prophetically, what does it mean to us? Because you're looking at me, you're going like, well, Olivier, great. You're Jewish, but I'm not. Who cares about Yom Kippur? Because I can't relate. I was not born up that way. I will never enter a synagogue to celebrate Yom Kippur. So what, what is in it for me? Well, Pay attention. A lot actually is in it for you. You don't have to practice those, but when you look at them, it tells you more about who God is and how He operates through the Bible with mankind and with the Jewish people. So, and also will help you understand my people better and you can relate to them better and share the gospel with my people in a more effective way. And you know, you know that Jewish people are very gospel resistant. We don't like to hear about Jesus. So, it's a good way to, 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 to know about how to witness Jewish people. Rosh Hashanah, the head of the year, a call to repentance, make a note of Joel 2, 12 through 17. It's a preparation for the time of the, the upcoming time of the Day of Atonement, Yom Kippur, the most important day of the Jewish year. Some of the functions of that, of that holiday, if you look uh, back in the Bible, we just read, rest, sacrifice, and blowing of the trumpet. Very little is said in the Bible about the the, the head of the year. And of course, like I just mentioned a few minutes ago, the the least amount you say about something in the Bible, the more we want to speculate. The rabbis are no different. If there's nothing said about a festival, they'll add many things to make sure that it's done right. According to whom? Well, them. But uh, uh, really, not much is said. It's just a, a a day of rest and celebrating the coming of the new year um, and what we do is between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, Jewish people, Orthodox Jewish people, practicing Jewish people, you know, the pious Jews, will go to a living body of water to do a ceremony that includes prayer, uh, known as Tashlich, which means the um, the uh, it means you will cast. Uh, And it's taken from Micah chapter 7, verse 18 through 20. And it's between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. Jewish people go and take breadcrumbs or little pebbles in their pockets, usually breadcrumbs. And the whole family recites a few few prayers. And then over a bridge in a city, over a body of water or by a lake, they will throw the breadcrumbs in, in that body of water, casting off their sins in preparation for the Day of Atonement. Because my people believe that on the Day of Atonement, God opened specific books in heaven and makes some decision for the next year for these people. Of course, we know that we cannot take our sins and cast our sins away on our own. If we could do that, we would need the Messiah to die for us. Number one, he died for us and our sins are being cast out, cast away by him, by his death, and by us accepting his death and resurrection. He doesn't look at our sin anymore. And number two, we don't have to wait for God to open a book in heaven, uh, which is a rabbinic tradition, on Yom Kippur, because if you put your trust in death, resurrection of Jesus the Messiah, He has written your name in the Lamb's book of life. Amen? And that name doesn't have to be rewritten every year. It's once and for all, when you accept Him as your Lord and Savior, your name is in the Lamb's book of life. So, the, uh, the 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 feast of 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 Rosh Hashanah also will be fulfilled by the rapture. So people start panicking when I said they go like, "Okay, Olivier, how can it be possible?" Uh, well, it's not. That doesn't mean it could happen on the rapture. It could, but it's just going to be fulfilled by the event of the rapture. But it doesn't mean that it has to happen on uh, that the rapture has to happen on Rosh Hashanah. And the reason why we don't know is because the Bible tells us we don't know when the rapture is going to take place. We just don't know. Yet, people write books. You had a guy in 1988 to write a book, 88 Reasons Why the Rapture Will Take Place in 1988. And, of course, he revised the book in 1989, and he had one more reason. And he, and he wrote a second part to it, 89 Reasons Why... And then he stopped, because it's just people didn't take him seriously anymore. You have Yeshua sitting at the right hand of God Jesus in heaven, looking down and going like, "Ugh, they wrote another book. I got to postpone." <laughs> stop writing the books. Stop buying the books. Stop reading the books. Just concentrate on the only book that matters, and he will come back. I promise you. you we don't want to. We don't want to speculate on the date of the rapture. What we know is that it's going to take place before the tribulation. I believe the Bible is very strong about that. 1 Thessalonians 4:13 and 18 is one that you want to write down. 1 Thessalonians 4:13 and 18 and 1 Corinthians 15:15 15, 15 through 58. 1 Thessalonians 4:13 through 18 and 1 Corinthians 15 15 through 58. These two passages talk about the blowing of a trumpet. Uh, in First Thessalonians it says the trumpet will sound on the day of the rapture and then the Jesus will shout, the archangel will repeat like a military uh, command. The archangel will repeat and then the trumpet will be heard. What trumpet is it talking about? Well, some people... And when, when you read about 1 Corinthians 15.58, it talks about, you know, the resurrection of the dead and Messiah first and then the living one right after that. That would be us today if the rapture was to take place right now. The dead and Messiah will, will be raptured and then the living ones, the living saints, us. And it talks about uh, uh, the you know, blowing of the trumpet. What trumpet is that? Well, a lot of people say, well, that must be the seventh, the last trumpet, the seventh trumpet of the book of Revelation. And which would would would... Militate towards a view of post-millennialism that we're going to go through the we're going to go through the uh, the rapture will take place after the tribulation and, and and that doesn't really make sense with a lot of uh, a lot of, of of scripture and on top of that the trumpet that is described in those two passages cannot be referring to the seventh trumpet of Revelation simply because the book of Revelation was not written for another sixty years after that. So what is he talking about when when Paul talks about the trumpet? Paul was a rabbi, a Pharisee, very, very educated in the Jewish things. He was talking to his audience, a Jewish audience, about the last trumpet of Rosh Hashanah, the Tekiyah Gedola. The last blowing at the last trumpet. So there is the correlation right there. He was not talking about any other trumpet. The last trump was the last trumpet in Jewish tradition, known as the tiki Gedola. So Rosh Hashanah will be fulfilled by the um, by the uh, by the Rapture. Now we have between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur ten days, known as the Yomim Noraim, the ten days of awe. Ar. We are right in the ten days of awe right now. The, this is an, a, a rabbinic tradition that has been added that, that says that Jewish people, before God opens the books in heaven, it's kind of like a, you know, a yearly uh, a tradition of, of almost like a purgatory when we have to work our way to a better position, better status in God's, in God's eyes. So we go to our family members, we go to our workmates, we go to our uh, people at school, people in our neighborhood, everybody we know in our Jewish community, and we ask for forgiveness. We apologize for things that we might have done. And this is a time, the ten days of awe, when we make a laundry list of all the people we have to email, call, visit, whatever, to make sure that we, we just, we look good. you know. Because God, for ten days, is looking down and is going like, Oh, Livia, he's doing good. He's, oh, you apologize to him, to him. Uh, I wonder how long it's going to take him. To. Okay, he's going to that one too, that's good. And then God is going to open the book. And what happens is the Jewish people believe this is a rabbinic tradition, but this is what drives the holiday every year, unfortunately. That God is going to open three books in heaven on Yom Kippur. The book of the righteous, the book of the wicked, and the book of the in-between. And nobody dares, nobody has the chutzpah, that's Yiddish for guts, courage. Nobody has the chutzpah to say, oh, I'm in the book of the righteous. Because as soon as you say that, you move one book. You know? So... You don't want to say that. <clears throat> so, you say, well, I'm, I, I, I don't think I'm going to be in the book of the wicked. I'm hoping this year I'll be in the book of the in-between, which is kind of like, okay, you know, kind of, you know, middle of the road on, you know, until next year, maybe you can move up if you do real good. But as long as you can maintain your, your name in the book of the in-between, you're okay because everybody else is in that book too except for the very wicked. So that's what Jewish people believe in that time of the year. They really go out of their way to be nice to everybody and then in 10 days who cares? (laughs) Seriously, seriously. But it's not very different from us being all spiritual at church on Sunday and then swearing at somebody on the highway and losing our temper minutes after we were so spiritual and you you know what I'm saying? Or Arguing all the way to church and then, okay, guys, we're in church, okay? <laughs> don't tell me you've never done this, okay? The difference is that we're forgiven and we can go to him and, and repent and we don't have to wait for Yom Kippur. That's a big difference. We can do it anytime. time. When we miss the mark, we can go back to God and say, God, I blew it, would you forgive me? And he, for- and he already forgave you anyway because he knew you were going to do it. And you move on. That's the beauty of being under grace and being saved by the blood of Yeshua. Amen. So we uh, now Yom Kippur is the most solemn day of the year. This is a very serious day. Next to uh, uh to a uh, next to it, maybe uh, uh, Passover is very very intense, very serious. You don't miss it. But the one day that everybody is in synagogue is Yom Kippur. You do not miss Yom Kippur unless you're on a, unless you're on your deathbed. You don't. You're at synagogue, the, uh, you, this is a day of affliction, this is a difficult a difficult day, um, uh, because there's, you, you're not supposed to be comfortable, it's a, it's a, it's a fast, not a feast, and uh, you know the, all the religious Jews, they're all in synagogue. This is the, the one day of the year you don't miss. Well, one year, uh, there was a rabbi, and the story goes like this, he was so burned out with the ministry that he called his assistant, he said, David... I'm not going to synagogue today. Rabbi, this is Yom Kippur. You cannot not be in synagogue today. David, I'm sick. I can't make it. He was not sick. He was just sick of the place, sick of everything. He just went to take a break. But you don't take a break on Yom Kippur. He said, David, you cover for me. I'm sick. I'm staying home. All right, Rabbi. So the rabbi decides he's going to go golfing. So he's at the golf course by himself, enjoying the day, the beauty of the day. And everybody else, In the Jewish world, is in synagogue, and then there's God and an angel in heaven looking down. And the angel goes, "What's going on here?" And God goes, "Don't worry, I'm gonna teach him a lesson." (laughs) I I hope so because this is just not right. He goes, "Just watch." So the rabbi gets ready, tees off, and hole in one. The angel goes, "That's the lesson? A hole in one?" I, just, I, I don't get it. I really don't get it. What kind of discipline is that? And God looks back at the angel and goes, Who is he going to tell? <laughs> so, this is the most important day of the year. That rabbi will never go golfing again, I promise you that. <clears throat> this is a day, this is a day of, it's known as the Day of Atonement, Yom Kippur. Yom means day, Kippur means covering. And this is a day where there are special prayers recited in a synagogue. Uh, Jewish people wear special clothes and uh, uh, n- n- they don't take a shower that day. They don't eat, they don't put perfume. It's just a day, it's, it's, it's the theme of the day is affliction, affliction of the body as well as affliction of... Uh, of the soul, and the, the main theme is affliction. When you think about the fulfillment of that day in the Great Tribulation, the Great Tribulation is known as the time of Jacob's trouble, which is another way of saying the time of God coming back to discipline Israel. Jacob's trouble is just another way of saying Israel, Jacob, same thing, interchangeable words. And it's the time where God is going to bring back his plan to focus on Israel. Right now, he is in the time of the Gentiles, saving Gentiles and Jewish people, but, but God is focusing on a certain amount of Gentiles until the time of the Gentiles is over, and then he's going to finish his program <coughs> with Israel. God is not done with Israel. Okay, Some people, 63% of the church today, say that God is done with Israel, and the church is the new Israel. That makes no sense at all. But, you know, some people believe that. And so God is going to come back, and there will be an affliction of Israel, and that's the fulfillment of Yom Kippur. The affliction of the body of Israel, according to Zechariah 13, 8 and 9, Zechariah, Zechariah 13, 8 and 9, two-thirds of the Jewish people, by then, this is talking about the end of the tribulation, two-thirds of the Jewish people are all in the land. I mean, all the Jewish people are all in the land, sorry, uh, you know, all Jewish people come back to Israel. Two thirds will die if it was to happen today, fifteen million Jews, ten million Jewish people would die today if this was to happen today. If this was the Great Tribulation, the end of the of the seven year tribulation. <coughs> and the one third that's left, according to Zechariah thirteen uh, nine, is refined, like like silver and gold. And it's at at that time that they look up and they realize that they miss the Messiah. (coughs) And they all become believers. And that's a reference to the old Israel that will be saved in Romans 11. That's not all Israel of all time. My parents, still in France, 83 and 85 year old, Jewish, don't believe in Jesus. They're not part of the old Israel that will be saved. If they were to pass away today, they would not be part of that Israel. It's only the Israel at the end of the day. Anybody who's Jewish who passes away now, and doesn't know Jesus, will not be in eternity with God. That's why we have to share the gospel with the Jewish people as well. Some people will tell you, you don't have to. Yes, you do. It's the same way for everybody. <clears throat> in Zechariah 12.10, the Jewish people will look up upon the one who they have pierced and mourn for him as one mourns for an only son. And they will look up and, according to what Jesus said in Matthew, he said, surely I will not, you will not see me again until you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. In Hebrew, Baruch Haba B'Shem Adonai. Blessed is you comes the name of the Lord. Jewish people in the tribulation will look up and say, We missed you. We didn't see you as the Messiah. Baruch Haba B'Shem Adonai. That's the second coming, not the rapture. Rapture is this way, second coming is this way. That's when we all return on horses for the final campaign of Armageddon. We're all going to return on horses. I'm prepared. <laughs> so, I got the boots on. You never know, you know. You've got to be prepared. Uh, that was very spiritual, I know. <laughs> so, the Yom Kippur is going to be, uh, um, Yom Kippur will be fulfilled by the Great Tribulation. There's one more holiday, and that is uh, Sukkot, the Feast of Tabernacles. <coughs> Sukkot is a, uh, used to be an agricultural holiday in the Bible. <coughs> and... Um, <coughs> what what people did jewish people did is that we we uh, back then and we still do it today we would build little booths for one week flimsy booth with one opening three walls and one opening and a flimsy little leafy roof where you could see the stars to remem- to remind the jewish people that god dwelt with them and protected them and preserved them in the 40 years of of wilderness from egypt to the promised land that's a remembrance of that time that is why most jewish people don't like to go camping See, because we paid our dues. 40 years. My wife is not Jewish and she grew up camping. She wants to go all the time. And I say, you know what? No, I paid my dues 40 years. Our people did it. My idea of camping is one pillow instead of two in a motel. That's, that's roughing it. Okay, I don't like camping. But this is something that we do and we know I've done it with my kids when they were young when we lived in Seattle at this time of the year when you'd build this little flimsy booth and then you eat in it and you uh, sleep in it if the weather permits and you also invite friends who are less fortunate uh, than you uh, and you have a meal with them. It's, a, it's almost like a Thanksgiving time of uh, inviting people and, and, and fellowshipping with people and uh, <clears throat> So, the, we still to this day build the, uh, the little sukkah, uh, the little uh, booth. Sukkot means uh, the plural for the word sukkah, which means booth or uh, temporary dwelling. Um, what's, and this will be, of course, fulfilled. Sukkot will be fulfilled by the, taberna- by the, uh, the Feast of Tabernacles. It will be fulfilled by the, uh, the time where we will be tabernacling with God in the Millennial Kingdom, when God will dwell with us. It's uh, it's also known as the Feast of Ingathering, the Feast of the Feast of In or the Feast of Tabernacles, and that's the time that God will be uh, uh, dwelling with us in the Millennial Kingdom. What's interesting is that um, uh, Yeshua very often will use some of the Jewish uh, some of the Jewish things in the Bible to to connect with his audience. And sure enough, here, uh, at the time of the feast, in John chapter 7 and chapter 8, uh, he was walking around the temple. Now, why was he around the temple? Well, because Sukkot is one of the three festivals that require for Jewish people to make a pilgrimage to Jerusalem to do some specific worship and, and practices at the temple in Jerusalem. Mind you, this is no longer required. Why is that? Well, because we don't have a temple anymore. Well, actually, it's still required. Because it's still part of the Mosaic Law. But the temple doesn't exist anymore. So, And one more reason why Jewish people really cannot keep the law today. And they have to reinvent and rewrite the law. Don't get me started. But that's, you know that's one of those things. And by the way, the law is not the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments are the ten that are written on tablets of stone. The, the Mosaic Law is made of 613 commandments. Not just 10, 613 commandments in the Torah, in the the books of Moses. So here, we're in John, and it's the feast. In in, in, in the New Testament, when you read the feast, it's always a reference to the Feast of Tabernacles, the Feast of Sukkot. And in uh, 737-38, now on the last day, the great day of the feast, Sukkot, Yeshua stood and cried out, saying, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture said, from his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. Why is he saying that right now? Why does it matter? Because at this time exactly, for the festival of, of Sukkot, the priests and the Levites were at the temple pouring water. It was known as the ceremony of the water libation. Pouring water on the altar, on the corners of the altar, symbolizing that one day the Messiah would come and cover the world and, and save the world. And here he comes as they pour the water and they do it thinking Messiah will come one day. And he's looking at his people and he's saying, He who comes to me will have rivers of, flowing, of, of living water. He's making the connection. He's basically in his own words saying, You guys, what are you doing here? Waiting for the Messiah. Look up. Here I am. And then right after that in John 8... Yeshua again spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in the darkness but will have the light of life. Why is he saying that right after that? Because right after the water ceremony for Sukkot, the Levites would do the torch ceremony when they would walk to the temple with long torches with 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 a flame all the way to the big menorah that was in the temple. And it was a ceremony that you could see from the hills from a long, long distance at night because there was a lot of those Levites walking with, with a fire. And that was to symbolize, as they marched to the temple mount, the coming of the Messiah to light the world one day. And again, he's telling them, you guys, number two now, look up. I'm still here. I'm the Messiah. Yet, most of the Jewish people back then missed him and did not believe that he was the Messiah. This will happen, uh, of course, at the end of the tribulation, that uh, the Jewish people uh, that will be left in the, uh, in, you know, the, the one-third that will be left will be, believe that he is the Messiah. Until then, it is our responsibility to share with Jewish people. It is our responsibility to take the gospel to Jewish people. And this is what we do. This is what I do. You might not know that many Jewish people uh, in uh, Uh, in Temecula or the area where you live here, Uh, but it is biblical, it is a biblical mandate. It says in Genesis 12, 3, I will bless those who bless you when God talks to Abraham, the father of the Jewish nation, and I will curse him who curses you. You don't want to be cursed, you want to be blessed. You want to be in God's will. If you want to be in God's will, you have to make sure the Jewish people are blessed. You want to just bless Jewish people by sending money to Israel? That would help. Or be nice to your Jewish friends, that would help. Nothing wrong with that. But really, at the end of the day, you just want to make sure that you give them the gift that never stops giving. The gift of eternal life. Nothing else matters. And if anybody tells you, Jewish people have had enough trouble over the centuries, let's just love them and hug them and then send money for them to go back to Israel, but let's not bother them with the gospel because, you know, they've got a special connection with God through the Abrahamic covenant. They're Jewish, you know, we have Jesus, they have Abraham. Oh, where is the Bible saying that? Jesus is for everybody. There's only one way to the Father is to His Son. There's no other way. Anybody tells you you don't have to share the gospel with my people, they're basically, it's the worst kind of anti-Semitism. If somebody tells you I love the Jewish people, I love Israel, just don't share the gospel with them. They've enough damage has been done. No. Share it, but do it the right way. Do it with love. Do it with compassion. But no compromise. And that's what we do. And that's why we need you to help us I had the privilege two weeks ago to meet with a 96 years old man 96 year old Jewish man when I first talked to him he looked at me he said my daughter is an adult she believes in the God of the Goyim that's the Gentiles he goes she believes in the God of the Goyim so when she talks to me about her God meaning Jesus I just don't want to talk about it we spent two hours together and it was this time I don't know I don't know why but you know I said, do you believe in God? He said, yes. And I said, okay, do you, uh, do you believe that this is his word? He goes, yes, I believe the Bible is his word. And then he looks at me, I'm going like, what, well, this is going well. I'm not, you know, I'm going like, this is, I'm making more progress than I ever d- dreamed of. He looks at me and he goes, I also believe I'm a sinner. I'm going like, wow, he's doing my job now. <laughs> I'm going, this is great. 96 year old, very alert, young, very alert old man. Uh, uh, and uh, he was he was a uh, in the big band in the Second World War. He was playing for the troops, and he told me, I knew that uh, I was going to go in the music industry when uh, the year that Lindbergh flew over the Atlantic. I wow, that's like 1927. That's a long time ago. So I love history, so I was having a blast with this guy. And then we keep talking, and he goes, yeah, I believe in God. I believe in the Bible. I believe that I'm a sinner. And I go like, who do you think Jesus is? He goes, well, I was told he's the Messiah. I'm not sure I know what that means. I explained to him what it meant. The Redeemer and all the Messianic prophecies. That's how I came to the Lord. And and, and, and he's like listening to me and he doesn't have much to say. And, and, I, and, and I'm going like, there's no way this man who's been witnessed to by his daughter for 30 years and other people is going to want to pray with me. So, of course, you know, not trusting. You know, I'm you know, going like, well, would you like to pray? Sure. I was, I was shocked because his daughter said, I think he's curious, but he's very antagonistic. and So this is what I do. This is what I love to do. If you have Jewish friends and you, 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 know, you want me to talk to them, uh, let me know if they're interested. They have to be interested. They have to be curious. They have to be wanting dialogue. But this is what I live for. This is what I am in ministry for. You know I, I teach in churches, but when I have a chance to meet with Jewish people and anybody, okay? I just, you know, Jewish people is because what I specialize in, because not enough people do it. They're afraid. So I'd, I'd specialize in that. But anybody who wants to know about Jesus, I tell them. But when I see a Jewish man that God has preserved for ninety-six years until the day where he comes to his Messiah, I was—I I, I, I drove all the way home. I was on a little cloud. It was so wonderful. There's nothing better than seeing somebody coming to faith. Amen. So. Uh, Do me a favor. Pull this little brochure here that you got and um, there's a little slip here. You see this little slip? Let's do this. Do it with me. Pull the brochure and do this. Now show it to me. I'm very, very, very controlling. Show it all to me. Okay. Now you realize that you all have ruined my brochures. I cannot use them again. So the least you can do for me is to fill it out. This is Jewish Guilt 101. In all honesty, we cannot do this without you. I cannot go in the middle of my day, witness to a 96-year-old Jewish man and spend the afternoon with him unless people behind the scenes are praying for us and people behind the scenes are supporting what we do. I couldn't think of anything better with my life Than what I'm doing right now. Just sharing the gospel with my people. Because it needs to be done. And not enough people are doing it. And we live at a time right now. I'm telling you. Where the whole world is turning its back on Israel. We need this more than ever. I need you more than ever. Please fill out this little thing. On the side. Not the big logo. On the side with a small logo. Put your name and address and we will send you my personal prayer letter and our little magazine for free. And if the Lord puts it on your heart to support us financially, that's okay too, because we have to pay bills. But uh, no pressure on that. I want to send you our prayer letter. I want to send you our, our magazine. And uh, there's a place if you want to make a gift with a credit card. There's a place for you to... You can fill out the back if you want information about trips to Israel or mission trips. We have all kinds of programs. But first and foremost... Give it back to me before I leave today so you can get our prayer letter and pray for this old man and all the other people that we uh, talk to and minister to. So um, I'll be in the back uh, at the book table. Come visit the book table. Come visit uh, me. If you have questions about what we discussed uh, today, please come and talk to me. If you don't have any questions, please come and talk to me anyway. I'd like to say hi to you. Okay? Let me close with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for this, uh, this time together here this morning. Lord, I thank you for my brothers and sisters uh, uh, and the leadership of this church committed to bless the Jewish people and committed to make sure that they receive the gospel, the only message of hope, the only message of salvation. Lord, I thank you for putting me where you put me, uh, with my family, in the midst of my people, sharing with them and in educating the body of Messiah, the church, on how to do the same thing continue working in our lives lord as we continue with boldness to show the gospel for such a time as this lord thank you in yeshua's name amen
0: hey thanks for being with us today it's always a pleasure to serve you with this cd ministry here at rancho baptist church our mission is to glorify god by making disciples who love god love others and live to reach their world for christ and if you have any questions regarding this sermon or just perhaps knowing God in a deeper way, don't hesitate to give us a call. Our phone number is area code 951-676-2911. Or you can reach us on the web at www.ranchobaptistchurch.org. That's www.ranchobaptistchurch.org. Have a great day in the Lord, and God bless you as you continue to walk with Him.